0: Hey, my name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. So, um, I've done a lot of funerals over the years, and uh, many of the first years, probably the first 25 years, uh, it was customary to get a police escort as you were leaving the funeral home or the church and heading out to the cemetery, it was very common. And, and then it just kind of began to go away, especially as police departments were struggling with being understaffed and such. And I, I say Cape Girardeau was one of the last police departments to continue that tradition and they did, but they, they got so understaffed, they really just weren't able to do it anymore. And some families will hire a, maybe an off duty or a retired officer and they'll go out there. And, but a lot more funerals I'm doing lately, there is no police escort. And so I'm always usually up with a funeral director in the first car you know, and we're pulling out in front of traffic and we're just hoping that people will stop, you know. Uh, and it's, it's always interesting to kind of see how people respond. But I gotta say in Cape Girardeau folks are pretty respectful and as you make your way the procession to the cemetery, a lot of folks will still pull over. That's not the case in St. Louis, my hometown. All right, they will just as soon run you over and, and get into where they want to get fast enough, okay? Um, but, and, and the, but the thing that bothers me is when I see folks, they just don't pull over, you know, out of respect for the one who has died because we don't want to pause for death. We'd rather just um, ignore it, out of sight, out of mind, Right? And yet, here comes this day, some would say odd day in the Christian calendar, where the church has said, no, we're gonna say out loud what we don't normally want to even think about. We're gonna say the words. We're all gonna die. There, I said it. Now, honestly, friends, if I would have announced this past Sunday, this Wednesday, I'm gonna do a message on death. Most of you would not be here, okay? Uh, We just don't want to deal with it, but Ash Wednesday makes us. In fact, the whole season of Lent, like I say, is bookended by, by by this day, Ash Wednesday, when we take ashes because we remember from dust we came and to dust we shall return. Ashes that were last year's palm branches, burned, incinerated, taken down to ash and placed on our foreheads in the sign of the cross. And then on the other end of the season of Lent is the cross, Good Friday, where death is defeated by the death of Jesus. And so it's really a profound season, and, and I didn't appreciate Lent as much when I was younger. I've grown to appreciate it more deeply as the years have gone by this day and Good Friday. Because I believe it it teaches us so many important things. And reminding us that we will die Ash Wednesday reminds us how to live. I wanna look at these bookends. I I wanna talk about, about two messages that we get during the season of Lent. The one I've already said, we will die and we confront, we confront this truth. And in so doing, we go against the grain of culture because again, we just don't want to face it. We don't want to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. Uh, I've shared on a number of occasions how Americans, we just don't handle grief real well. We're real sympathetic, loving, empathetic to the one who has lost a loved one for about two weeks. We bring casseroles, lots of food. They have all kinds of stuff. And then after that, we don't want to talk about it. Taboo, we just stop talking. We have a real problem. We just kind of put it out of sight, out of mind. Most of our cemeteries are now kind of hidden. You can go through much of your day, much of your life and not see one, but earlier generations found that there was wisdom and having them more open. In fact, most churches had cemeteries. Every year I go to the Abbey of Gethsemane uh, in Kentucky and you, when, there's the retreat house on the left and straight up the, those big steps there is the worship center. And the only way to get in there is to walk past the cemetery. And there's old tombstones in there going back to the uh, early 1800s. Some that I think are even older, you just can't read them there, it's gone. And, and I, every time I'm fascinated, I walk by and I see that and I, I think, how wise of our forebears who had cemeteries on the church grounds because everybody was reminded of our mortal- their mortality as they came to church every week. We simply forget. Um, so into our shiny, privileged optimism of America, this day speaks and again says out loud what we don't even want to think. It tells us to remember that we're dust, and the dust we return. So, that's the truth, we confront this truth, and you know what? We gain some things. One thing that we gain is humility. To know that you're mortal brings humility. And this this weekend, I'm looking forward to, this is, we're gonna do a series this uh, season of Lent that I've been, been in my mind for years, it's gonna be on humility. One time Jesus describes himself, he he describes himself as humble of heart. He he lets us see his heart and he he tells us that he's lowly of heart or humble. We're gonna talk about humility and I think it's a vanishing virtue. But Ash Wednesday and Lent, the season of Lent reminds us of our mortality and therefore keeps a certain humility in us. During the Roman Empire, when when a emperor would Um, experience a great military victory, they'd have this military parade. And if it was a great victory, they would have this remarkable parade that sometimes would go on for miles. And the emperor would be at the front in a chariot being driven by glorious horses, finely groomed and decorated. The emperor would have a a purple robe on, a crown, and it was his moment of glory as he was basking in in the triumph of Rome. But in Roman custom, there was a slave who would run behind the chariot and at certain intervals would climb up on the back of the chariot and whisper two words into the ear of the emperor. Memento mori. Memento mori. Remember, you will die here as you are basking in the glory and the adulation and the applause of the adoring crowds, remember that you will die. Confronting this truth, Lent gives us wisdom. Uh, In Psalm 90, uh, we read these words. Um, In fact, I forgot we were gonna read that together earlier but I'll turn to it here. It says in Psalm 90 verse, by the way, this is the only Psalm written by Moses. Uh, David wrote like a third of them. Uh, there are other authors. Uh, Moses only writes one, and this is a, a glorious Psalm. In fact, I'm gonna pull an impromptu thing. Hey guys in the back, can we go to the uh, beginning? Can we go do that and get those up? Can we do that? I got a thumbs up, great. Would you all stand? That's too good, okay. I'm just, pulling, I'm just pulling an audible here, all right? When you get old, you can do stuff like that, all right? All right. This is, we're going to our, talk our way through Psalm 90. This is good words. This is from, it's from Moses, all right? Now, you got to understand, Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. He led them into the promised land. Well, he didn't get into the promised land, to the edge of the promised land. For 40 years, he led them in the wilderness. Why? So that generation all would die out. You know how many funerals Moses did? How many funerals he went to for a whole generation? And so he writes this Psalm. You will read the yellow and the bold. Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Teach us to number our days we may our so you can be seated. So teach us to number our days. Now, before that, he says, you know, some, you might get 70 years, or if you have the strength, you might live 80 years. Moses lived beyond that. He lived to be 120, but he says, if we will number our days, we will gain a heart of wisdom that changes how I live now. Um, why? Because numbering our days reflecting occasionally as the, as the ancient writers of, of the spiritual life used to talk about thinking of our, of our mortality. It says, oh, I'll die. And I'm not promised tomorrow, but I have today. And so today, I will seek God. Today, I will love my neighbor. Today, I will love God because I'm not promised tomorrow. So I will learn wisdom from this. In Hebrews uh, chapter four, verse seven, the author forces us to reflect on this as well. Um, When he says God again said a certain day calling it today, this he did a long time later, he spoke through David as in this passage already quoted today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Scripture has a sense of urgency. A sense of urgency about this day because scripture writers know and they they don't forget that we are dust and to dust we will return. We have today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We have today where we can seek the Lord. He says, don't harden your hearts today. Seek him. So when we number our days, uh, we gain a heart of wisdom for many years, for about 25 years uh, or so, I would, on New Year's Day, I'd take out Psalm 90 and I'd read through it. And then I had uh, Post-it notes and, and I would write on there the days that I have lived. I'd add them up, you know, uh, multiply whatever my year, age was at that time by 365 and I was smarter every four years, add another one in there, you know, and that was the number of days. And then I'd say, well, Moses says we live to be 70. So I put 70 and how many days I had left to 70? Now I now I choose 80 because he talks about that too. That's also scriptural. But the one who was more sobering for me these days is 64. That's the day. That's the age my father died. I say, wow! Must be a lot of fun on your day, New Year's Day. Your house, New Year's Day. No, I I find doing this is just a really powerful reflection for me. Taking these words of the psalm, we confront it. And we gain wisdom. But there's another truth, a very important truth. Without this one, the other one would be pretty depressing. And the season of Lent tells us that the new creation is breaking in. That death is defeated. Here's a little uh, fun fact about Lent. How many days is it? Someone want to guess? 40 days, yeah, 40 days, very good, 40 days. It it uh, traditionally was was set aside to remember Jesus 40 days in the wilderness. This is how he begins his ministry in fasting and prayer. And so the church marked this aside to remember how Jesus, come, and then he, out of this, he comes in the power of the spirit. But if you if any of you are math majors or know just a little bit of math, if you add up the days between now and Holy Saturday, you know what you're gonna come up with? You're gonna come up with 46 days. Wait a minute, did our forebears, were they kind of bad at math? Did they just not understand it? No, they did understand it. Six days are removed from the equation. Six days are taken out of the total because these are Sundays. And Sunday is the Lord's day. Sunday is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Sunday was switched from Saturday when for thousands of years, the people of God worshiped on, on the Sabbath to Sunday because this is the Lord's day. And so you may fast during the season of Lent. You may have a tradition of going without sweets on, during Lent. You may do, give up something during Lent, but not on Sundays. The other 40 days, yes, go without sweets, but on Sunday, get a whole carton of ice cream and eat the whole thing because this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead and we don't fast and mourn on those days. We celebrate and we rejoice because the new creation is breaking into the old. And one day, death will be no more. That's what Lent reminds us of. There are those glorious six days that are the Lord's day. Resurrection is coming. Um, and in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul deals most extensively with the subject of resurrection, he says this, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep, for since death came through a man. The resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who believe in him. Jesus, the firstfruits of the resurrection, which means there's going to be a whole lot more. All who believe in him will be resurrected and be given new bodies to live forever. And God's glorious new creation It's coming. And so, that's why Paul could then go on and say something like this, which he says to the Philippian church, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To die is gain. Why? We sang at the beginning of the service, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. When you die as a believer and follower of Jesus, get what you get. Jesus, face to face, no mirror, face to face. And that's pretty cool. Death is transformed by the death of Jesus. Last summer, maybe it was late spring, um, I met a, a, a young man who um, was interested in becoming a campus pastor at Benton. And so we went and had lunch. First time I met him, I sat down, and he told me a little bit of his story, and I was fascinated by it, and that he, he uh, worked in, in churches in area music ministry, but that lately he uh, has taken a job as full-time hospice chaplain. And I, I love hospice, and I love the people at work, and what they do is they minister to the dying. Uh, and chaplains are there, and, and he's around death all the time. And, and so um, I asked him a question. I said, so what has hospice taught you about death? And his answer stunned me. And so uh, I said, you know, you're gonna have to come and and share that on Ash Wednesday. I was thinking several months ahead, okay. And uh, so I've asked Brock Tharnsboro uh, to come. Where are you, Brock? There you are. Brock is our campus pastor at Benton. A lot of you haven't met Brock, because he works down, he lives in Sykeston, uh, pastors our church in Benton. And um, I'm just so glad to have him on staff and to have him up here sharing. So I asked you that question, Brock, what have you learned about death? Take it from there.
1: Yeah, I remember very well. I said, death is beautiful. And he was very taken aback by that statement. And I wanna qualify that for you like I qualified it for him that day. You know, we are sometimes intimidated and scared by death, but the truth is God has given us many examples that we actually celebrate. For example, a sunrise. Beautiful, right? We, I mean, if you get up that early, some of us don't, but you know, a sunrise is it breaks across and the the colors and the lights and and just the beauty that God gives us. But how many people have ever pulled out a camera or a cell phone and snapped a picture of a sunset equally as beautiful, right? Think about even like our seasons. We're getting ready for spring. It's coming up and we're looking forward to having green grass and of course all the flowers and, and the birds singing and the whole thing. But how many people love the season of fall and they anticipate that. I mean, you see all kinds of people that, what do they do? They sit on bales of hay, which is what? It's dead grass. And the leaves fall. And we think it's so beautiful. And we get ready for the hot temperatures to subside. And we enjoy that because there's an element of the end of a death that's beautiful. And then being in hospice, that's an amazing thing um, to be able to recognize that. It I was because I've spent a lot of time holding the hands of people as they've taken their last breath and I've looked into their faces and I've seen an amazing thing that happens. That sacredness that happens at birth, for all of you that have ever experienced that, that moment that you say, it's almost like it was a holy moment, so is someone's last breath. I've seen countenances change. I've seen people that have been completely unresponsive for days all of a sudden smile. And I know, I know that they're seeing into heaven. And um, I've also had a few people that have actually talked me up until their last breath and told me things they were seeing like loved ones and a light that's with them. And I've had people tell me about things that they've enjoyed, like one guy in particular said, can you see the horses? And I said, no. But he told me all about him. All the horses were kept running by his window because he was a horse man and he loved that kind of a stuff. And it's been so helpful to me because you see, I had a fear of death, a huge fear of death. Um, when I was 16, the week I turned 16, my grandfather passed away and there was a lady at the funeral that said, you need to go and look at his body in the casket. You need, you need to put your eyes on it because you need closure and the best way to get closure is to look. And so I did and it was not good for me. For me, it was very hurtful because he didn't look like my grandpa. He didn't, they had not done a great job with his makeup and hair and stuff like that. And so I determined that day, I would never look into a casket again. And I've been to many funerals where I have walked up to a loved one and spoken to them, but never gone to the casket. Another thing that happened to me was four and a half years ago, I lost my sister to cancer. And it has been very hard for me to deal with that loss. And I was not necessarily, I've never been angry at God for that, but I've struggled with that and struggled with the grief. But I've learned something, and I want you to hear this in particular. The cost of a deep love is a deep grief. When you love well and you are loved well, you are going to grieve well and long, and it's not gonna change. But to have that kind of grief means you were loved So anyway, a year after my sister passes away, I had left ministry, decided to get a job in a hospital as a janitor or housekeeper, as they call it. I got assigned to working 40 hours a week in an emergency room, a guy who's scared of death. And um, so the last room of the day for my job was to clean the morgue. And I said, no, and they said, yes. What do you do? I needed the job. I will tell you all, I met the Holy Spirit in the morgue so many times. Because I would see the names of someone who had passed because the initial certificates were there. And I would think about those families, knowing what I went through just a year before, and I would pray for those families, because I knew the amount of grief they were dealing with and the shock that they were dealing with. And one day when I was in there, I was cleaning down the side of the cooler and wiping it down and making sure it was sanitized and well taken care of, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me on the inside, not audibly, that had been really scary, but spoke to me on the inside and said, get ready, because I have something for you. And that afternoon, I got a phone call from the hospice company that said, we've been watching you for about a year and a half, and we wanna know if you would come over and interview to come and be part of our team. And every bit of me said no, but my mouth said yes. So I went and I met them, and I got the job, obviously, as Pastor Ron told you, my very first day, very first patient, first time out, and the lady passes away. and the There you go, sorry. The family leaves and now I'm not stuck, that's a horrible use of words, but I'm now sitting in the room with a lady who's passed to a, a dead body. And I saw beauty in that because I saw that she lived a life and she had stories and she had loved ones and she loved and she had a deep love for Jesus. I knew that because we were there to just be able to share scripture with her and her family. And that was the day I knew that God had called me to it and he would sustain me through it. And so that's what I've done for three and a half years now As I sit with people as they're getting close to the end and we talk about truths, we talk about the grace that God offers us and the mercy that he's given to us. And I hold their hand while they take their last breath. And then because of the grief I've gone through, I stay with the family for another 13 months And I take on bereavement with them. And I walk them day by day sometimes. Sometimes they don't need you as much. But just to explain to them how much they were loved and how much God loves them and how much he holds them. And that's how I came to tell the story to Ron. Thank you.
0: Thank you, thank you, Brock. Thank you. Um, so resurrection is coming. That's what Lent tells us, and death will will be defeated. And to die, to live as Christ and to die as gain, but there's another equal truth. And at first it seems paradoxical. It seems contradictory. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians and there are other verses I could look at as well. And he says, for he must reign, Jesus must reign, until all enemies are under his feet. The last enemy to be defeated is death. So, on one hand, to die is, is gain. And as Brock said, it can be a beautiful thing. And then, on the other hand, death is an enemy. I love what um, David Bentley Hart says in his book, The Doors of the Sea. Our faith is in a God who has come to rescue his creation from the absurdity of sin and the emptiness and waste of death. And we are permitted to hate those things with a perfect hatred. To die, to live as Christ and to die as King. And yet death is an enemy and I hate death. Um, funerals are special moments and beautiful moments and yet I have to say um, I've been wrecked by many and I walk away hating hating death one season I had three funerals over a period of four months a six year old, a four year old, a two year old and I, I was later that spring I was just angry, angry about everything and it wasn't until the summer that I realized, I go to a Christian counselor who's just amazing, that I just really never grieved that. Now, obviously, the parents, my, my grief is, is tiny compared to what they experienced, but I was carrying that because I was mad at God. I was in my office on my face saying, I can't do another funeral for a child, God. See, death is an enemy, and we're allowed to hate it with a perfect hatred because Jesus went to the tomb of his friend Lazarus and hated death and wept with those who wept. And so both are true. To live as Christ and die is gain. And yet, death is an enemy. And it will be defeated fully and completely. And these Sundays at Lent are little reminders Just like the spring that's gonna be breaking out all around us, little reminders that resurrection came for Christ, resurrection will come for all who place their hope in him. Death does not have the final word, death does not have the final say, no. That is our hope. There's a, a beautiful prayer in the Anglican tradition. It's the final prayer of the day. And if you pray the offices, it's called Compline. Of all the offices, Compline is my favorite. It comes from the same word complete, it completes the day, it's the last prayers that you pray before you sleep. And this is prayed by hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of Anglicans all around the world. And I'd like to invite you to pray this with me, it's gonna be up on the screen. And this is a prayer again that you would pray right before you sleep. Together, keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work our watch, our weep this night. And give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted. Shield the joyous. And all for your love's sake. Amen. I love that prayer, but I, I find the words, bless the dying, fascinating. Now this was written hundreds of years ago, by someone far wiser than me. I would have said, heal the dying, save the dying, rescue the dying, keep the dying from dying. Lord. But this writer, long ago, prayed, bless the dying. And as Brock, Brock would testify, many times I've been with those who know they're gonna die, and there's a wisdom, and there's a strength, and a peace that comes from Christ. And so yeah, bless the dying with a humility and a wisdom that only numbering our days can give us. And so in this season, in this season of Lent, um, may you be clothed with humility with wisdom and with hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your sobering message of life and death, and for this season, and for this day that just forces us to face what we normally don't want to face, but when we do, we do not face it alone because you are with us, and we thank you. You are so good. And so, in this season, may we be reminded of our mortality and may we be reminded of the death of death. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church
1: or to find your next steps, Head to LaCroixChurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon.